Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's time for Atlanta Soccer Tonight. Tune in as Jason Longshore gives you insight and analysis on the beautiful game, including headlines from around the world of soccer. Rebound, score! This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight, brought to you by Moe's Southwest Grill. Welcome to Moe's. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Jason Longshore. Let's kick it. Atlanta Soccer tonight, live on 92.9 Game and the Odyssey app. I'm Jason Longshore. Welcome to our weekly show covering soccer in Atlanta, in the Southeast, the whole United States. And we got a lot to talk about in that department. All over the world and beyond. That's what we do on AST every Monday night. Make sure you're subscribed to the Off the Woodwork podcast from 92.9 The Game and Odyssey. That's where you can get some of the bonus content like March to Match Day, uh, B-Sides. I had a great interview last week with Kevin Kratz from the Atlanta United Academy. Really good insight from Kevin about player development and kind of the mindset that he had going into the MLS Next Cup with his U16s. All kinds of good stuff there. Off the woodwork. That's where you can get this show. If you can't join me live, you can always get it on demand. So... First segment, we're going to get caught up on Atlanta United. No game last weekend. It was weird. I didn't know what to do with myself, so I went and I called, I think, three other games in four days because that's what I do. I'm insane. Uh, It was a nice break, I think, for the players. They got five days off after the win over D.C. United, but now it's two games this week, so you kind of have to make up for it quickly. Game on Wednesday at home against NYCFC. And then on the road Saturday at Red Bull Arena, a place Atlanta United has never won in their history. Current form for these two teams, NYC, 0-6-4 in their last 10 matches in all competitions. It hasn't been good. The attack hasn't been good at all. They don't really have a big-time goal scorer in this team, and... 
it's not something we're accustomed to with NYC. You know, the Tati Castellanos days are long gone. You look at this attack, and look, it's talented with Santiago Rodriguez, the 23-year-old from Uruguay, signed a designated player contract before the season. Incredibly talented. I think at, at, when he's on his game, he's one of the, the best players in the league. But 17 games, four goals, two assists. Not bad, but not what you would have expected. Tylus Magno. Very talented 20-year-old Brazilian expected to set the league on fire this year. 17 games, three goals, one assist. Mm. Gabriel Pereira, up top, 21 years old. Young Brazilian from Sao Paulo, played at Corinthians. 17 games, four goals, three assists. That's the attack for NYC. It hasn't been clicking even with the talent that they have on display. Question about their availability when you get into Wednesday. Uh, Maxime Cheneau, I would expect, is not going to be back from national team duty with Luxembourg. He played in their win over Liechtenstein. That is a rivalry for the ages, Luxembourg and Liechtenstein. Uh, he has a match tomorrow, so I'm not expecting to see him at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Wednesday. James Sands played in the back in their 1-1 draw against Columbus on Saturday. Sands is going to be on the U.S. Men's National Team Gold Cup roster. But will he be available for NYC on Wednesday before joining up with the U.S. MNT when they play in Chicago on Saturday? We don't really know yet. And that's kind of a, a, a very interesting subplot going into this weekend or this week's games, the midweek games, because there's a lot of them around the league. Team, teams who have players going to the Gold Cup, are they going to have players available for the Wednesday match? Nashville has said that they expect Jacob Schaffelberg, who will be part of the Canadian roster for the Gold Cup, they expect to have him on Wednesday. They don't think they'll have him on Saturday. I don't know how they'd have him on Saturday if he's going to the Gold Cup, but I digress. That's just what Gary Smith said to media today. James Sands, we don't know yet. If James Sands is not there and they are still missing in the back, uh, Tiago Martins, you're looking at a back line that would have Tony Alfaro, who's played five games this season, Justin Hack, the homegrown, who's 21, who's played five games this season. They played three center backs last time out, and they, they played a 3-4-3. That's generally how NYC has wanted to play the season. They might not be able to because they don't really have another center back available. You're looking at moving somebody like Alfredo Morales to the back line in that case if you want to keep the 3-4-3 shape. So NYC, a lot of questions. Atlanta United, a lot of questions as well about what their lineup will look like. But NYC, a lot of questions coming in on Wednesday. 0-6-4 in their last 10. Um, they just haven't scored enough goals, frankly. They've been decent defensively. They haven't scored enough goals. That's been the same story for the Red Bulls. One goal in their last three games. They did win that game that they scored in. They've lost their other two. They host Charlotte on Wednesday, and then Atlanta comes to town on Saturday. Red Bulls have had a managerial change since we saw them last when Atlanta United beat them for the first time in regular season play at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and they'll try to do the same thing on the road for the first time this season. They have not won at Red Bull Arena ever, and they've only won one game on the road this season. That was in Charlotte earlier in the year. They've been getting results on the road. They haven't been getting wins on the road. Results are good. Wins are better. <laughs> So you want to take some of those one-pointers on the road and make them three. K-1-1.
Can Atlanta do that against Red Bull on Saturday? Let's get through Wednesday first because this availability report for Atlanta United that should come out tomorrow will be very, very interesting. Let's go through it. Miles Robinson, he missed the Nations League final last night due to injury. There really hasn't been much talk about the injury, the significance of it, how long he might be out. But I can't imagine that even if he was fully healthy, that he would have come back to Atlanta, played on Wednesday, and then went back to the national team to play on Saturday. I'm not expecting to see him on Wednesday night against NYC. Jay Fortune, Derek Etienne, they've been named to their national team rosters for the Gold Cup. Like I said with James Sands, the availability is unknown for Wednesday. It is extremely unlikely for Saturday. Fortune will be part of the Trinidad and Tobago roster, and they will play the U.S. in the group. Derek Etienne will be part of the Haitian national team roster. Yorgos Yakamakis, we know he's going to miss Wednesday. He's suspended for Wednesday. Uh, he played 66 minutes for Greece today in their loss to France in Paris. He should be available Saturday to start, and he should serve his suspension on Wednesday because, look, playing today, could he be back in uniform and on the bench and maybe be able to give you 15, 20 minutes on Wednesday? Yeah, that would be a reasonable expectation. But he's suspended on yellow card accumulation, so won't see him on Wednesday. Luis Abram, not expecting to see him. He played 30-plus minutes for Peru in Seoul, South Korea on Friday. Peru plays in Japan tomorrow morning, Eastern time. It's extremely unlikely for Wednesday. Should be able to be back and contribute on Saturday, depending on how many minutes he plays in Japan tomorrow. Tiago Almada, he only played a few minutes for Argentina on this trip. He didn't play in the first game. He played maybe about 10 or so, including stoppage time, early this morning in Indonesia, in Jakarta. That's a long trip from Jakarta, Indonesia, back to Atlanta. Um, I don't know the flight schedules out of Jakarta and how many different connections he could hit and how he could get here the fastest. I don't know what that looks like for Tiago. He didn't play much, so that part's good. But the travel is going to have an effect. How much of an effect, we just don't know. And honestly, we might not know until Wednesday. It might be one of those, how you feeling? How much can you give us tonight? 45? Okay, cool. 30? Okay, we'll deal with that. 60? Oh, that's cool, too. You just don't know because it's not exactly the easiest trip from Indonesia to Atlanta. Um, just glancing at it as I was trying to figure out what possible routes he could take. Uh, I don't think you're going to be able to make the trip in less than 12 hours, period. Um Anyway, you slice it. I think 12 hours was about the shortest travel time that you could make. So we will see when Tiago Almada returns to Atlanta and how much he could give on Wednesday, if any. I think he might be available. I just I don't know until we know. Majok Chol, he was in town on Saturday for a community event, so he should be available for Wednesday. I'd been called up to the South Sudan roster for their games during this window, but not the most organized uh, football association in South Sudan at times, and sometimes they can't actually make good on some of those call-ups. We've seen this happen with Machope before. So I'm expecting he'll be available for Wednesday. Now, we also know that Luke Brennan and Nick Firmino left Atlanta United 2's road trip after Thursday's game. They joined first-team training after returning, I'd guess, on Friday or Saturday at the latest. Nick Firmino has eight goals and three assists this season. Um, he scored a Golasso on Thursday night. 
Brennan had both assists on Thursday night for the twos in Columbus. He has been a menace on the wing over the last few games, running in behind, being dangerous on the dribble, earning fouls, earning yellow cards. He single-handedly got a Miami fullback sent off in the first half a few weeks ago. Luke Brennan's in great form right now. Nick Firmino's in great form right now. I would expect they'd be part of the roster for Wednesday. Will they play? If they do, I think they're both in the, the kind of form that can translate, and I think they could both contribute to a potential result on Wednesday. So you look at the roster, with all that being said, um, goalkeeper's fine. Brad Gazan's in, in good form right now. Yes, you can relax about the Brad Gazan freakout after a game against New England because he's been good in three of his four games since returning back. Uh, very good in a few of those. Fullbacks are in good shape. Andrew Gutman coming off of a man-of-the-match performance against D.C. Brooks Lennon, he was not chosen for the Gold Cup. He was on the preliminary roster. Caleb Wiley was on the preliminary roster as well. They will both be sticking with Atlanta United during the tournament. Noah Cobb, he's played very well for Atlanta United too since his start in Columbus for the first team in March. And even in that game, I didn't really have a huge issue with Noah Cobb's performance. I think he's gained in confidence playing with the twos. He's been very good with the ball at his feet. Hitting that long diagonal is something that I think is maybe a, a better part of his game than it was last year. I think that's something that has been worked on. Uh, his pace, his ability to chase players down, it's very strong. He might be faster than Miles Robinson. I'd love to see a foot race. Um, it would be close. Noah is really in a good spot right now. I would expect that he'll start next to Juan Parata on Wednesday night. Ozzy Alonso, back to support the midfield. We don't know about Santiago Sosa. The ankle injury has still been an issue uh, since he picked that up. He did play a game. It flared up again. Franco Ibarra, I think, has been good, and Alonso can help support that. We don't know where Alonso's maybe durability is right now in terms of how many minutes he could play, but just getting him back into the mix is definitely a good thing. Caleb Wiley and Tyler Wolf, they're going to have to step it up big in the attack with Adarujo probably gone. Uh, there was an open training for season ticket holders on Saturday, and according to some of the fan reports uh, from the training ground, Adarujo was not involved in training. Um, that would be a possible hint to him not being back with the team after this break. Uh, he was expected to leave after the Red Bulls game anyway. He played very hard in the last couple of weeks, and if that's enough and it's the right time to go, it's the right time to go. Um, he'd be gone after these two games anyway. That was the plan all along. Etienne, just don't know if he's available for Wednesday. He'll be away at the Gold Cup. Wolf and Wiley have to be big. You ha Do you have Brooks Lennon who could step up and play on the wing? Ronald Hernandez could play it right back. He wasn't called up to Venezuela, so he is available for Wednesday. I think Machop Chol factors into those lineup decisions as well. Wednesday night, really interesting game with the Pigeons of NYC. They haven't won in 10. Atlanta United hasn't lost in six. But neither team will be at anything resembling full strength. Who will step up for Atlanta United in this one? Tyler Wolf is one you got to look at with the form he has been in. I would not be surprised if Luke Brennan or Nick Firmino get an opportunity. Um we just don't know about Almada and how much he could give. Firmino has played in that number 10 role. He plays it very differently than Almada. He almost plays it like a 9 would play the 10. He becomes an outlet for the team to play long. He's good at holding the ball up. He works very hard 
defensively. Firmino could be an interesting addition in there. And Brennan on the wing. Mentioned the wings needing to, to step up. Well, Luke Brennan might get a roll of the dice. And I think he's deserved it with his play as of late. Could be a fascinating one on Wednesday. We'll be live at 7 o'clock on 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey app. You can listen to our audio during the match on Apple TV's MLS Season Pass. Mike Conti is away. He's going to be out of town for that one. So it will be me on play-by-play, and our old friend Jarrett Smith will be with me in the booth on Wednesday, starting at 7 o'clock for the Five Stripes Countdown. Coming up next on AST in five minutes, we're going to try to make some sense of everything that has happened in the last week with the U.S. men's national team. Oh, there's a lot of stories to get into in this telenovela. Try to make a little sense of it coming up after the break on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Back to more of Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore. On Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Welcome back. Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9, The Game and the Odyssey app. Let's get into this U.S. men's national team situation because we can talk soccer, we can talk future silly season silliness, and we can talk the managerial hiring that happened this week. We probably need to talk about all of it as best as we can. So let, let's start with the Nations League. Let's start with the soccer. It's in the name of the show. Dominant performance against Mexico. Maybe even more dominant against Canada in some ways. And the U.S. defends their CONCACAF Nations League title. They lift the trophy in Las Vegas. And they don't even concede a goal in the two games. Just a, a complete performance against Mexico. 
And look, this is a Mexico team that is a complete and utter mess. We'll get into it in the 3-4-3 in the next segment. But this was maybe outside of, and I think it was 1995, um, U.S. Cup, the old tournament that the the U.S. Soccer Federation used to hold, where it was usually U.S. and Mexico, and then a couple of their invitees. I think it was '95 uh, that the U.S. just throttled Mexico four nil at RFK Stadium in Washington. Um, the other one would be the two nil win dos Acero at the World Cup in 2002, where I thought the U.S. just completely dominated that game as well, and Mexico lost their heads and tried to pick fights. Hmm, that part's familiar, isn't it? Um, this is a Mexican team that, look, they couldn't do anything on the pitch at all. They, they couldn't do anything to impact the game, and all they could try to do was get under the skin of U.S. players. And I will go on record as saying I have absolutely zero problem with U.S. players standing up for themselves against that situation from Mexico. Zero problem. Weston McKinney did nothing wrong. He got red carded because he, he put his hand on someone's throat when he was surrounded by seven or eight players from the other team. His jersey was ripped to shreds. And he had been choked twice in his career, which isn't that long, by Mexican players without any cards, especially not red ones. So, frankly, I could care less if Weston McKinney got sent off in that situation. He shouldn't have been sent off. It shouldn't have gotten to that point. The red card on, uh, I believe it was Montes from Mexico, was absolutely horrendous and ridiculous. And I have no problem with the U.S. players making that point very clear. Look, I don't have a problem with Serginho Dest either. Dest got hit in the back three times. He, he, what do you have? To, at some point, you've got to stand up for yourself. Like, yeah, I wish he'd been able to play in the final. In a World Cup, yeah, you probably need to be a little more careful there. But you also have to stand up to this nonsense. And this isn't the first time that Mexico has done this, and it won't be the last time. Because generally, it has worked. Not in getting people sent off. I could care less. Again, I, I don't care. It has worked in rattling the U.S., and we've seen it at various points over this storied rivalry's history. We've seen it happen. Sure didn't rattle these guys. And they fought back. And yeah, McKinney and Dest missed the final because of it. So what? It's what needed to be done. And the U.S. absolutely put Mexico in the rearview mirror in CONCACAF. For now, don't get it twisted. Mexico's not going to be behind the U.S. by a wide margin, which they are right now. They're not going to be there forever. They're not, they might not be there for long. These things go in cycles. The, Mexico dominated the U.S. for a long, 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 long time until the U.S. in 91 beat Mexico in a Gold Cup semifinal. And then it was a little more 50-50 for a while, um, leading up to that World Cup win in 2002. Mexico took kind of the reins back in, in the rivalry there for a while, and it's been back and forth. It will still be back and forth, but right now Mexico's a mess, and the U.S. has significantly passed them. And I think any of the questions about Canada were answered in the final. Canada really didn't offer all that much, to be perfectly honest. You know, I, I know it's the cliched thing to say in these situations about a manager like 
John Herdman and, and say, like, oh, he's taking them as far as they can go. It's, it's a cliche. It gets used all the time. I know it's a favorite one in the Premier League. It might actually be true in this case when it comes to Canada because you look at the rosters, I don't think they compare. You look at the way this game played out, I don't think the teams were comparable. I feel like the U.S. was in complete and utter control of this one. And the U.S. has more talent. And I think the U.S. is better coached. And that is with the new boss, same as the old boss, and with the interim boss. And I just, I think John Hardman has taken Canada to a point. And it's a good point for Canada. Look, they hadn't been to a World Cup since 86. They hadn't been to a CONCACAF final since 2000. That's the only one they'd been to before this. They've improved. They're good. Canada and Mexico is an interesting measuring stick right now. I I don't really know which way that would go in, in a knockout game. Uh, Mexico has always had the better uh, of Canada in those situations. I don't know if they would now. But neither one are touching the United States right now. They're just not. And, and look, that's a right now thing. That might not last through the Copa America next year. It might not last to 26. It, it might. I don't know. But right now, the U.S. is significantly better than those two. The Gold Cup will be interesting because it won't be the strongest U.S. roster. They won it last time without the strongest roster. Can they do it again? We're going to find out over the next month. But in this final against Canada, I thought one player who really stepped up was Eunice Musa. Won 10 of his 11 duels in the match. That's the second highest success rate by a player since 2010 when they started measuring this. Uh, Balogun. Gives this team a top striker that intimidates opponents. Gio Reyna, back to great form. He's got to stay healthy. Wasn't able to finish the final, but he's back to great form. They did this, these two games. They won them handily without their best number six, their captain, Tyler Adams. You get him back, you have some really interesting lineup decisions if you are Greg Berhalter, who will be the person making those lineup decisions after the Gold Cup. Come back to Berhalter. I want to stick with the roster for a second. The club situation is the next big thing for a lot of the players who played in the Nations League who will not be part of the Gold Cup side. Christian Pulisic, he's not going to stay at Chelsea, right? But where's he going to go? He's got to go somewhere where he's going to play. Fuller and Balogun doesn't want to be loaned out by Arsenal again. He said no more loans. Okay, but is there playing time there for him? If not, where does he go? Weston McKinney. Headed back to Juventus after the loan to Leeds. They didn't want him the first time. I don't think they're going to want him now. Where's he going to go? Speaking of Leeds, Tyler Adams, Brendan Aronson. Leeds got relegated. Are those two guys on the move? Tyler Adams has been linked with some clubs. Where could Aronson go? Where do those guys go play? Ricardo Pepe had a great second half of the year in the Netherlands. Does he want to stay there? Where does he go? That's a lot of players that we don't know where they're going to be in the fall. You need a lot of those guys playing consistently at the club level, at good clubs, between now and Copa America. Because, frankly, next summer's Copa America is the test. It's a big test. It's really the test before the World Cup in 2026. You don't have a qualification process. You can get games and you can get friendlies and you'll have Nations League as well and that'll that'll be nice. You'll have this Gold Cup, but 
you're giving guys a break after a really long year with a World Cup in the middle of it. So guys needed a break. You didn't need to keep the team together for the Gold Cup as well. Mexico did, but they're scrambling to try to make something happen because it's a mess. The U.S., you've got to get these players in good club situations. That is the number one priority between now and the start of the European seasons in the fall. All right, let's get into Burhalter. And I know this is a hot-button issue for a lot of people. I will go back to what I said after the World Cup when his contract was up, before all of the soap opera started. When it was just, he got out of the group, he lost to the Netherlands in the round of 16, and his contract was up. I will go back to what I said at that time. Because it's the same. None of the rest of it's changed anything for me. And I think people who are allowing the drama to change things are being very, very unfair and probably showing their cards a little bit about how they felt to begin with. Greg Berhalter did a very good job for the U.S. men's national team in his first stint. And we will say that it ended at the World Cup. He did a very good job. I was, when he was hired... It was between him and Oscar Pereja. Those were the two final interviews. Tata Martino was not interviewed. And frankly, Tata Martino's time in Mexico was nowhere near as good as Greg Berhalter's time with the U.S. So I think that part of the narrative can be put to bed. I know a lot of people had an issue with Berhalter being hired because his brother worked for the Federation. That should not have disqualified him. It should not have guaranteed him the job either. And I don't think it did. And it was between him and Oscar Pereja. And I like Oscar Pereja a lot. Probably liked him a little bit more before he went to Orlando, but that's another story. I like Pereja a lot. I think he would have done well. I think this team played better soccer than they would have under Oscar Pereja. Results might have been a different thing. You never know. Pereja's teams are a little more conservative, to be honest. Berhalter's teams are a little more ball-dominant, which the way I kind of lean and, and like to see my teams play. That's kind of where my mind would be. I liked Pereja. I probably knew a little bit more about him at the time. And I was 50-50 on Burhalter doing well. When he started, he didn't do well. And, and I think he was too rigid. And I think that's a narrative that has stuck with him that I frankly don't think is the case anymore. Um, but it was at the beginning. He managed the national team like he was managing a club team, and I think he was trying to be a little too rigid in terms of forcing a style of play. I think he relented a little bit on that, and I think the players also have improved, and I think he's got a lot more flexibility now with how he can play. And I think he's shown that. I think people also probably need to keep things in perspective. There were some comments made before the Netherlands game from Louis van Gaal, who says a lot of things. Uh, go ask Argentina about Louis van Hall talking, and they will give you a lot of answers that I can't not repeat on the radio. But there were things said from Louis van Hall about what he expected the U.S. to do. And there were things taken out of context about what was said, and there were things that were completely, just utterly uh, lied about in terms of what was said. He knew how the U.S. would play coming into that game, and I don't think the U.S. really had any other options to change it. I mean, at some point, you are what you are based off the, the player pool. And this player pool is better than it's ever been. But the U.S. player pool is not the Netherlands player pool. It's not the Spanish player pool. 
not the English player pool, I don't think. And the U.S. outplayed England in the World Cup. They didn't get the win, but they outplayed them. England has more talent. There's a good number of teams that have more talent than the U.S. Not as many as there used to be. But at some point, you do kind of hit a limitation when you face a team like the Netherlands. And you face a manager like Louis van Gaal, who, like him or not, he's one of the all-time best. All-time. Greg Berhalter's not one of the all-time best yet. He's still very early in his career. So people twisting that, look, you're not being fair, and you don't really want to be fair. People trying to twist other aspects of this, well, why didn't they hire him right after the World Cup if that's what they wanted to do? You and I both know that that was not possible because of the firestorm that the Reinas whipped up. You couldn't hire him at that time. You had to do an investigation. I'd be really interested to hear what U.S. soccer comes out and says about other threats made against the coaching staff because that was brought up at the time and that never really has been expanded upon. Greg Berhalter made a mistake in his personal life when he was in college, and that incident was not public before it was blasted across the world. Um, it has been weaponized against Greg, against his wife, um, against U.S. soccer in some ways, which is bizarre to me. Um Greg was not married to his wife at the time. They were dating in college, and they got back together after the incident where he kicked her. And in that incident, according to the reports from the investigation that U.S. Soccer did and cleared Greg to be rehired, um, she struck him too, but he kicked her, and that's not acceptable. She forgave him, and that was really the person who gets to make that decision, not soccer fans on Twitter. And people who are using that because they don't like Burhalter coming from MLS or they don't like Burhalter's tactics or they don't like his player selection, weaponizing that is frankly disgusting. And it's got to stop. I will go back to what I said at the beginning of all of this after the World Cup. His cycle was a good one. It wasn't good enough to guarantee that he should be kept on. And you couldn't make that decision until you hired a new sporting director and you did an investigation because of the Reina's outbursts, which was... <laughs> anyway. Um, you did everything. You decided that he was the best person for it. I'd love to know who all, they hired, who all they interviewed. We have heard about Jesse Marsh. We have heard about Patrick Vieira. That's really about it. I would assume there was more to that list. Um, we know Jim Curtin did not interview. That those are things that are out there now. Um, if that is the pool of who was available, who was interested, who got to those final stages, Greg Berhalter was the right hire. If that's the pool, if those were the options, Greg Berhalter was the right hire. And all I wanted after the World Cup was, since he didn't do enough, to automatically earn a new extension. All I wanted was for them to go out to the market and see if they could get a better coach. If there's an upgrade, an obvious upgrade, go do it. Marsh, Vieira, Curtin, even though he didn't interview. If that's the choices, 
None of those are an obvious upgrade. No matter how you feel about Greg Berhalter, none of those are an obvious upgrade. And if he's the best person for the job, then he's the best person for the job. And you have to give him credit for how good the U.S. played this weekend because he created that team culture, and he created the way that this team plays, and they executed to perfection under B.J. Calligan. And it was great to watch, but he gets some credit for that, whether you like it or not. He does. Recruiting some of these players that are now favorites. He had a hand in that. You can like it or not, but it's true. So now you're at a point where Greg Berhalter has to get results. And that Copa America will be his big test. And he's got to do well in it. I don't know what that means. I don't know. I don't think you have to win it. But you got to make a run. You got to look good. You got to have some, some quality in that. So we will see. But man, this was a big week for U.S. soccer. And I hate that what it has ultimately done when the team has won another trophy is to flare up the toxic environment on the Bird app when it comes to talking about the U.S. men's national team. And I'm sure people will tweet at me and yell at me for what I just said, and that's fine. Um, probably mute you, mute you anyway. So it's all good. Let's get into the 3-4-3 coming up next. Three local stories, four world headlines, three things that make me smile about this game that we love so much and allow us to take our break from USMNT Twitter. The 3-4-3 up next in five minutes on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast i'm tony kornheiser this is my show my friends come on and you know them we talk about the sports you care about basketball now golf and the metronome of your life baseball whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to wrap up tonight's show with the 343. Three, four. Three. Three local stories, four headlines from around the world, and three things that made you smile about the game. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back. Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Got to get into the 343. Three local stories, four headlines, three things that make me smile 
about this game and keep us distracted from the Bird app. Number one on the local side, GA100. If you guys don't know about this, it is a campaign that Atlanta United's Community Fund, uh, which is an associate-led fund of the Arthur Blank Family Foundation. So it's a partnership with them, with uh, LISC, which is the Local Initiative Service Corporation, um, a really good organization that helps local communities. Uh, many others are involved in the GA100 campaign. But they opened their second facility of the year, third overall, in Mableton on Saturday. Uh, it's built through a grant to the SAE School, Science, Art, and Entrepreneurship. Uh, it's a pre-K through eighth grade school in Mableton. The pitch is right next to the school, but it will also be open for uh, not just students, but for anyone in the city of Mableton. And there's more coming. This is such a cool initiative. The community fund awarded $1.5 million to LISC to lead installation of the first 20 mini pitches across the state. Uh, three are up now. There's one in Gainesville, there's the one in Mableton, and the first one that opened uh, down in Brunswick, Georgia. There's 17 more organizations that have received grants, and they are in the process of being developed. And the next round of proposals will be coming in later this year. So super excited to see these continue to grow. More fields, especially in underserved communities, more access is going to grow the game in a big, big way. Number two on the local side, Atlanta United's U16s from the academy. They're into the quarterfinals of the MLS Next Cup. That's Kevin Kratz's team. They play tomorrow morning against Weston FC from Florida. This team, in their first two games in the tournament, they haven't conceded a goal yet. They won 1-0 in the first round. Uh, Rocket Rita Rita with the goal. He played for Atlanta United 2 recently. Um, he is 16. He scored in this to lead them to a 1-0 win. They advanced on penalties in the round to 16 after a scoreless draw. So early tomorrow morning, I don't think MLS has announced what games are going to be streamed tomorrow. Hopefully, they will stream an Atlanta game. They haven't at all yet during the event. So fingers crossed. I'd like to see the 16s. I've seen them once this season and was really, really impressed with this group. Um, and if you haven't heard Kevin Kratz's interview, it's on the B-Sides podcast I put out er, or put out late last week um, talking about all things Atlanta United Academy. That's on the Off the Woodwork podcast here at 92.9 Game and the Odyssey app. Number three on the local side, Atlanta United 2. Talked a little bit about this, but there's some other stories from their two back-to-back -back draws on the road. Justin Garces returned to the team, his first action since August of last year after a knee injury. Johnny Vial returned to the team in Toronto on Sunday, his first action since the first month of the MLS Next Pro season. He was out with a broken foot. Jackson Conway has returned, and he scored a golasso on Thursday in Columbus on a volley. It took a deflection on the cross from Brennan, and Conway volleyed it home. What a goal. That gave him the lead in Columbus. He nearly scored another volley last night in Toronto. Just put it wide with his left foot. But back-to-back -back draws, they didn't win the shootout in either one of those draws. And remember, in MLS Next Pro, there is a post-game shootout after a draw for a bonus point in the standings. Atlanta United 2 is 5-5-5 five, five, and five this season. They've only won one of those five shootouts. That's something they might have to work on because those points do come in handy. But they're third in their division, and this has been 
a really fun team to watch. Back in action on Sunday in Kennesaw. If you get a chance, 7.30 hosting NYCFC2. All right, let's get into the headlines. Let's start with the fracaso in Mexico. Diego Coca, seven games. He was hired in like mid-February. He's been fired already. <laughs> I mean, come on. Is this what you want for soccer in this country? You want guys fired after seven games when it was they've only lost one of those seven? Is that what we want to aspire to? He'd only been in the job for four months. The new Mexican Football Federation president, who did not hire him, Juan Carlos Rodriguez, he confirmed that Coca had been fired today. Uh, they were beaten badly by the U.S. They did beat Panama in the third place game. Woo! Rodriguez announced that Jaime Lozano will take over as the head coach. He will manage Mexico in the Gold Cup. I mean, does he have to win the Gold Cup or he loses his job too? I don't know. Um <laughs> Mexico's in Group B with Derek Etienne's Haiti, with Honduras, and with Qatar. Um, they will play first on Sunday against Honduras. Lozano has worked with the Mexican Federation before. He was with the U23s for 18 months, um, led the team to the last Olympic Games in Tokyo. They won the bronze medal. He has coached in Liga MX as well without a ton of success. He was at Nicaxa and at Querétaro. All right, speaking of being in shambles, let's go to Belgium. Belgium's national team not getting along these days. Uh, and that was a story as they were getting knocked out of the World Cup as well. It has not improved. Thibaut Courtois left the training camp ahead of a qualifying match for next year's European Championship. Reports in the local media that he was upset because he was not given the captain's armband in their first game of this international break. Uh, Romelu Lukaku got the armband in the 1-1 draw against Austria, which is not a good result for Belgium, but I digress. Um, Domenico Tedesco is the new manager for Belgium, taking over from Roberto Martinez. And with no Kevin De Bruyne, who picked up the injury in the Champions League final, so he's the captain for Belgium. He missed the match against Austria. Tedesco had given the armband to Lukaku. Now, he scored the equalizer in that game, so he did pretty well with it. Um, Tedesco announced on Saturday that... Courtois would wear the armband against Estonia in the second game. Well, now he's left. Tedesco said that Courtois' unhappiness spilled over. Um, he said, and this is these are quotes from Tedesco speaking to reporters today, said, together we decided that Romelu would be captain against Austria and Thibaut tomorrow against Estonia. That was okay for everyone, but after the match, he, speaking of Courtois, suddenly wanted to talk to me and said he was going home because he was disappointed and felt offended. From the beginning, I tried to show him the appreciation he deserves. In my eyes, he is the best goalkeeper in the world. I love him as a goalkeeper, but also as a human being. I am shocked. Um, <laughs> Tedesco, he said, look, I'm not going to talk about Courtois' future with the national team. Uh, he said the next games are in September. We'll see then. But, whew, it's a mess. Belgium's got some serious issues. Uh, even bigger issues than just drawing with Austria. They better beat Estonia tomorrow. Number three in the headlines, the Jamaican Football Federation, the JFF. They had to admit some guilt when they were called out by the reggae girls, the women's national team who is headed to the World Cup for the second straight time. Well, the reggae girls issued a statement on Thursday on social media. Um, I'm just going to read a little bit from the uh, Jamaican Observer, the main newspaper in Kingston. Uh, the quote is that their statement... 
was highlighting their, quote, never-ending disgust with the JFF's management of their preparation heading into the Australia and New Zealand tournament. They cited subpar planning, transportation, accommodation issues, training conditions, compensation, communication, nutrition, accessibility to proper resources, like everything that you need to get ready for a tournament. The uh, local governing body, the JFF, uh, they did have to come out and say that uh, we have heard the concerns of the reggae girls and we are taking them seriously. And by the way, reggae girls is the greatest nickname for a national team ever. Um, The Federation acknowledged that they have not done things perfectly and they are working to resolve the issues. Um, They have also acknowledged that they owe the team money. That's not good. Um, They have promised to have that handled as soon as FIFA releases the World Cup funds, as well as when the money's from the Adidas sponsorship. And now Adidas has the Jamaican national team uniforms, which they did some really good work with them, by the way. They look really good. Um, The Federation is waiting on money to pay, basically back pay, to the reggae girls. That's not a good situation. Um, the players had had enough. That's why they issued the statement. They had been told all this stuff would get sorted out. It hadn't been. They were told again it would get sorted out. It hadn't been. And they said, to be left questioning whether a camp will even take place in two or three days before the expected start is unprofessional and often unfairly prohibitive to, for some of our players. So they're currently wrapping up a training camp in Jamaica. There are three players with local ties on the Jamaican women's national team. After this camp ends, they're going to go back to wherever they are playing league play or on the summer break, and then they're going to regroup at a training camp in the Netherlands before the tournament, which starts in late July. Fingers crossed. Headlines from MLS on the weekend. This is number four in the headlines. Hani Mukhtar, he is making a claim for a repeat MLS MVP. He had a hat trick in Nashville's win over St. Louis. He leads the league with 13 goals. He became one of three players in MLS history to score 50 goals and deliver 30 assists over a three-year stretch. Robbie Keane did it twice. Sebastian Giovinco did it once. And Mukhtar might blow both of those out of the water with what he's doing right now because he's still got about half the season to go. LAFC had lost or had not won in four straight games. They did break that streak with a 2-1 win. Carlos Vela, 90th minute winner. We'll see if LAFC is getting back. RSL, big win for them. 2-1 against DC United on the road. And a golasso from Pablo Ruiz. 70 yards out, beat Tyler Miller. Last two games for Tyler Miller have not been good with his sweeper keepering. That has not gone very well. Also on the headlines today, many reports out of South Florida and from around the world, including Fabrizio Romano, Indicate that Sergio Busquets is about to sign with Inter Miami as a designated player, and uh, Jorge Mas, the one of the owners from Miami, is throwing out cryptic tweets and showing three jerseys and saying soon, and could be announcements on Wednesday, according to some reports. So buckle up in terms of Inter Miami craziness because it could be really starting to ramp up. Three things that make me smile about the game that we love so much. Number one, the swagger that this U.S. men's national team is playing with right now. This is what frustrates me about the Bird app and why I need the swagger. I need the fighting from Serginho Dest and Weston McKinney. I need the back heels and, and just ridiculous audacity from Gio Reyna on the dribble. I need Christian Pulisic owning Mexico. I need the swagger to distract me from the negativity, which doesn't make any sense because of the swagger. 
on the Bird app. It's so much fun to watch this team right now. Enjoy it. It's great. I've been watching this team since 19... I'm going to really date myself. I think the first U.S. men's national team game I saw was 1988. They've never played this well and never been this much fun. Number two, B.J. Calligan. Look, he's making the most of the opportunity right now. He's got the Gold Cup. If he wins that too, whew, is he going to be in the mix for one of the job openings in MLS, or is he going to stay as an assistant with the U.S. men's national team? He's been there since 2019. He might be in demand as a head coach. It's going to be very, very interesting. But making the most of your opportunities, uh, much respect. And number three, um, great game on Saturday night. Uh, since I didn't have an Atlanta United game to call this weekend, I was up in Canton for the Georgia Impact in the WPSL. It was Georgia Impact and Charlotte Eagles. A lot of current college players, some players who ha have moved on from college, a lot of players who are coaching locally, both in the Atlanta area and in Charlotte for the Eagles. And wow, this was a good game. The intensity, the tactical adjustments, the, the impact went from a 4-3-3 to more of a, a 4-4-2 diamond in the second half, which worked. Outstanding individual performances. We had a bicycle kick goal that came off the underside of the bar that wasn't called a goal. Then it was called a goal. So you had some controversy. The game had it all. It was an absolute blast. A great crowd. The crowd was chanting for their local team at the end of it. It was so much fun. If you get a chance to go see some of these local games, whether it's Georgia Storm over in Carrollton, the Impact up in Canton, whether it is Apotheos over in Kennesaw, Georgia Revolution down in McDonough, go support them this summer if you get a chance. So much fun to see these games up close, and the level is so good. All right, no stoppage time this week because of the midweek game. I will have March to Match Day posted for you tomorrow on Off the Woodwork and on the 92.9 The Game YouTube page. Five Stripes Countdown starts 7 p.m. Wednesday night. Kickoff will be at 7.39. You can also listen to the game on Apple TV's MLS Season Pass. No Mike Conti for Wednesday. I'll be on play-by-play. -play. My old buddy Jarrett Smith will be joining me in the booth. Mike will be back for our trip Saturday to Red Bull Arena. Same start time, 7 p.m. for Five Stripes Countdown. You can listen to all of it on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Thanks for hanging out with me on another Monday night. AST will be back next week. Adios, everybody. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.